This is Maybe Tomorrow. I'm Bria. And I'm Caroline. We're two friends having an unfiltered conversation about our own personal journeys with anxiety. And inviting you to help us break down the stigmas by celebrating this very human experience. Our highs, our lows, our quirks, and everything in between. (laughs) Okay. Take three. Um, I was going to ask you what we should talk about, but it's been like, how, when did we record that last episode, which I guess we should give context to because we, I know you pushed it out and I didn't do any promo around it, but I think it was end of May. Yeah. Like four. June was a whole dry spell for us. It was. I feel like we're coming back from a break. Yeah. Like it was, Coming... it was summer break, but yeah, less fun. A little less fun. It was just like everything was shaken up in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess we can like, I mean, I've been wanting to talk about this with you. Like, and I don't think we've fully ever like dived in. Dove? God fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to maybe tomorrow where we can't figure out how to say words <laughs> oh words are so hard dove, right now dove into dove into yeah yeah it's like yeah. yeah past tense yeah i don't think we ever dove into everything that's been going on with blm no and that's i mean I we we paused completely yeah i don't think we were intentionally like planning a break but i think it was like a moment to really take pause like we took pause for covid and i think that was just like more of like a personal journey of trying to reorient ourselves around time and space and figure out our new routines and then we hit our groove and then um and then like a lot of the i think it started with ahmaud arbery and then and Breonna Taylor, and then George Floyd, and then we just start to see a string of other, like, Which, why the fuck did I not even find out about Breonna Taylor until, like, after? Ah, that is the, that is what the system wants. Right? It's just, like, they're like, you don't need to hear about this. I Have you started thinking about that? It's like, how many more deaths? Yeah. And um, Elijah McClain, that was, what, August of last year? Yeah, last year, 2019. Why are we just finding out about this now? Like, there's a lot of, well, and maybe there was some local news about it, but there's, why, why wasn't it a bigger deal? Yeah, I mean, that's actually a good point on, like, local news. Do you watch local news? No. I don't think I remember the last time I watched local news. No. I mean, right now... I definitely pay attention to the news, which is one of the things that they said. I think we talked about it in the context of COVID was like, oh, well, how often do you watch the news? You should separate yourself from it. Which, first of all, if somebody has a direct, uh, if something directly affected somebody with COVID, you can't just not watch the news and shit gets better. The other thing now is that, like, you can't just not watch the news either because there's so much shit going on that, like, you like I feel like I need to be aware. 
And so I'm not necessarily watching the news, I guess, but trying to keep myself educated on stuff that's happening. Yeah, just informed. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, the to your point, the thing that I think was a complete miss on all of our parts was that we just, one, weren't paying attention, and two, these new these deaths weren't being bubbled up to a, a level where like it was in our worlds and it's it's a bit heartbreaking to think about that that like there were all these like really brutal deaths that were happening yeah. unjustly and we were just basically living in a bubble that just didn't where this didn't impact us or it wasn't even a thought right so we'll call it a blessing I, that everybody's basically cooped up that people are pissed now and paying better attention because maybe it was in front of us you know a year ago but we were at a bar yeah yeah I think when we took pause also with like everything happening as like Black Lives Matter was really starting to like um, take hold of mainstream media I think you and I without verbally communicating this but I think we both had a similar headspace of individually processing what's going on. Yeah. And then also wanting to intentionally create space to amplify black voices. But I think that for us both being non-black, I won't speak for you, but for me being, you know, a person of color, but not black, I was also trying to figure out what my own voice was in this and trying to figure out the best way to support this cause. Yeah but checking my own privilege, but like knowing that I'm not white, but, and I'm not black. So like I have a a very unique perspective from like an Asian American standpoint that comes with its own set of, you know, um, just learnings coming around to. So I think that this pause, I don't know, I'll let you kind of like answer that, but do you feel like this sort of like unintentional pause that we took was something that helped you i mean i know that we got we got into a rhythm we were like all right every thursday we're gonna record we're gonna pump out a you know an episode and then we just kind of went silent yeah i mean i think it was necessary for sure because yeah i'm white i'm checking all all of my privileges uh and to your point not only thinking I think what I'm just starting to enter now because I've started to come to decide or think through like what's my place in this for the long haul, not just, you know, what you do in the short term. But it started to make me think, and I actually don't know the answer to this yet, like how it affects the space of what we talk about too. And so we started talking about this last week, which got me doing a lot of research and trying to identify like um, accounts, well, even like Instagram accounts of like um, people who are in the wellness space and how stark there's a lack of black voices in wellness. And not only that, but I was actually thinking about the last couple episodes that we did, which is what I was saying about how I've been trying to find a therapist. And, you know, I'm not only am I 
looking for someone that's within my insurance, which in its own right is a privilege to have insurance and be able to potentially have it covered, despite most of them not taking my insurance. (laughs) But also to be seeking out somebody, like I said, that's, you want to talk to somebody who's like in the same um, maybe place sort of in life as you. Think about how hard it would be knowing that it like how difficult it is that there's a lack of diversity in the wellness field and in the therapist field and trying to like if somebody is trying to find someone similar to them who's going through all of the not like all of the struggles that you face as a black person as a person of color trying to like navigate therapy and having that empathy from, I don't know, a professional, that's just something that's got me thinking. Well, it's like that that lived experience isn't there, so it's not, it requires probably more work on the individual to sort of explain where they're coming from. Yeah. Where when you go to therapy or you seek counseling, you're looking for a bit of that shoulder to lean on to like prop you up where you don't have to justify your lived experience. Um, I was thinking about that too. I, I, my therapist is um, white. And so like, you know, we have a very different, you know, there's this like talking about my, you know, um, experiences as like a child of immigrants. It's like a bit of a different um dynamic there and just trying to explain that but yeah I think to your point about specifically speaking on like the black lived experience and how we are trying to understand that as like a society now you know where there's we're still coming to terms with like so much of like the language we're learning um the history that I'm sure these individual like counselors and like mental health providers are doing the the same And so that would be tough. And I do, I haven't done like a thorough research on like where counselors in my area, if there are any, like how many are of a color or black, like that's not, I'm sure it's going to be like overwhelmingly white, but um, yeah, I was thinking a lot about what does mental health in the black space like black spaces look like mm-hmm. because we just it is like wellness like I when we think about wellness what do you think about like whole foods Yoga. juices yeah um and I I know that we've talked a bit about like what could we do specifically to like also start to amplify black voices and I and I think that maybe that's something that we could always like try to like think about as we like kind of like pick this back up again but knowing that it's also a journey is something that I'm trying to like understand and like be very conscious about like how to engage, especially like now that we have a microphone in front of our faces, like I feel like that I want to be very conscious and like respectful there as well. But I do agree that like there is a, a huge, huge missed opportunity to amplify black voices in the wellness space. Um, to a population of people who especially now need it more than ever. 
You mentioned having to sort of, since your therapist is white, like having to even explain what your experience has been and what type of weight does that place on you? I think it's, um, it's a lot of, there is, there's not a lot of like backtracking or context setting that I do have to have. I just sort of say it and see if I see like some type of like nod of acknowledgement or like wait for any sort of like clarifying questions. Yeah. Um, I do feel like I probably just am in a space where I can talk a bit more freely. Yeah. Um, I think that Asian American history is very different from um, just like the black American history here. And that's something that I think would be very different is just like, the systemic racism that like black lives face is very different even on on like that I face like that actually is not even a topic of conversation you know it's more around like growing up in a very cultural like culturally different household in a very predominantly like white neighborhood yeah so there are a lot of very different struggles there of just like having to meet expectations of like immigrant parents and how that has impacted like my confidence and like my my own perception of my success and like where I feel like I need to go which is something I'm currently working on is like trying to like start to suss out like where do where do I where's my identity in all a lot of this because I think for um being like a Korean American, um, a lot of times it was around like the, that tiger mom or tiger parent, like archetype, like making sure that you are in all the different activities that are meant to like help you excel in life and get you to a place where you secure those like very like respectable jobs in society. Um, that's a very, very different conversation that that I'm having with my therapist. Yeah. Then if I were black and I, I have to like take a moment to recognize that. So, um, yeah, I think like mental health services in general too, like, I don't know if you've given any thought to like, or looked into what your city is doing of just like, there aren't very many mental health resources that are just like easily accessible to underrepresented groups. And I think a lot about like how much of our security is also tied to like our financial um, like well-being. And so like that provides us a sense of comfort knowing that we can pay for our meals, pay for food, pay for trips. Um, And that's not the same in areas where it is typically more low income, you know, that are also just like kept in a system where they cannot get out of poverty, but then also not have access to resources where they can openly talk about what they're experiencing and how to like move out of that is hard because a lot of it does require I think mentally and emotionally working through that and um yeah I think that we just are starting as as like a society seeing that trickle down effect of like how this system was built and like something that we feel probably before everything happened um, within the last few months, probably thought we sat in a very disparate category that was like, you know, we can like 
we can carve out our own like space in this where we like we don't exclude anybody but like we are as like a wellness focused podcast that sits in like this mental health space like we are part of a system that hasn't really fully provided the best service or like attention and like space for black voices and so that's like yeah i think taking pause like you and i've done like a lot of reflection around that well when you think of i think i brought this up in a different context but like your hierarchy of needs when you're worried about food or shelter or whatever like paying the bills like one of the lower things on your spectrum are like "Mm, how is this affecting my mental health (laughs) and so I also feel a privilege that I have comforts that allow me to figure out ways to sort of address my mental health you know what I mean like I have that the space for that because that's you know, my my worries aren't on, you know, can I pay my mortgage? Right, right. Yeah, you have a different, very different set of things that contribute to your anxiety. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you, if you think about like also just like we've talked a lot about like where have our anxieties have stemmed from, like those are, that's a totally different topic, like, like, there's a bit of nature, there's a bit of nurture. It's, there's that quote that you always say that I like love about like how anxiety is, what is it? Like biology, like loads the gun. And then oh yeah, your, your environment, environment pulls pulls the trigger. Yeah. Yep. You're, yeah. I think that was a goop podcast. They said your genetics load the gun and your mm. uh your environment pulls the trigger yeah I'm glad that you brought that back up because I was actually thinking about that um as you were talking about um you know even your experience growing up like there's a nature versus nurture aspect of that and how that yeah. affects everybody in like mental health it just manifests itself differently Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I don't think like you and I've really like thought through like, we just have like that natural like back and forth that like works. And so I think coming together to talk about this is like a bit relieving for me because I think that it's a way to show that we're like on the same page and we're thinking about our place with this podcast and in like the grand scheme of like what mental health in in like this new world looks like the same way it's just i think finding that path forward and finding ways to where we check our own privileges and be able to like amplify and like help um amplify those like underrepresented voices in a space that is very much left to be desired for them so um well, yeah. I also and- hate living in a state of discomfort, and <laughs> yet I'm forcing myself <laughs> to be uncomfortable. Like, you know, I I think that that's the biggest difference in who ends up being passive mm-hmm. um, and who ends up taking action, because 
I'm uncomfortable every day. Like, you know, checking my <laughs> checking my privilege every day. Like, you know, and I um I'm going to screw this up, but I go to this Nate and I have been going to this coffee shop that we can stop by sometimes on our walks and it says um like if you take the place of being neutral in a time of injustice, you're choosing the side of the oppressor. You got it. And I mean, for me, I think one of the things I know you and I talked about is like, I did have a feeling of like, I, I didn't want to go to protests Mm -hmm. because for me, well, one, I have social anxiety. So being in crowds (laughs) is not my jam. And there was like a level of guilt with that. Um, But I think then I realized you know, you don't have to be going to protests. You don't have to be, um, you don't have to choose everybody else's way of being involved in this, but you have to do something. And so Mm -hmm. what that looks like might be different for everybody, but not being passive is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I actually like, I was, arguably on like the other side of that for a bit where I was like, no, everybody needs to be vocal. Everybody needs to be like doing something that's public. And to a point, I think that there is so much value in that, but also recognizing that, that all of us are pushing that, that like gas pedal as fast as we can to like, learn about this and like dismantle our own personal internal biases and like I can't expect my friends to react to what's going on the same way that I am and like their ways of doing it doesn't invalidate like the efforts for this cause and it took me a few weeks to like come around to that because you know like asking people to go to protests and like things like that like there are people who are going to be super uncomfortable or have like huge fears of like, I mean, it's not a, it's pretty like scary sight to see like a bunch of armed guards when you like walk through something and you never know what's going to happen. And so like for people who are like more anxious, like I, you have to take a step back and also understand that like that might not be their mode of protesting, but is it, maybe reading books by black authors is it mm-hmm. like educating themselves and like you know celebrating and amplifying like black voices in the arts and other underrepresented areas of society donating, like recurring donating. donations yes totally um and i realize like to a fault where you know i've told you like i always overfunction in times of stress mm. so my yeah immediate response was to be like I need to go to every protest I need to go do I need to post like a million things every day I need to you know buy all these books I like it I have a tendency to take it too far and to your point like this is we have we are in this for the long haul so like tying it back to mental health like what can we all do now regardless of where you are at in your journey like to ensure that you're in it for the long haul, that you are like creating a sustainable path to like constantly learning, dismantling those internal biases, continue to teach others because I think teaching others is also a 
a huge responsibility and like a, a very much needed responsibility that we're all taking upon ourselves and that we have to do. Um, but it's a lot of uncomfy conversations, you know, yeah. like, like I didn't think about it because, well, I don't have white parents, but like, you know, growing up in an area that is predominantly conservative where there is not a lot of minority groups, like had I come from a white family from there, like the odds of my family being very more on the conservative side, not that like liberals can't be racist either, just that like a lot of the more political viewpoints around there, there would be a conversation that I would probably be having with my parents. Um, now as a Korean American, the conversations I'm having with my parents look slightly different, but it's a conversation yeah. nonetheless. And um, yeah, doing things that we that take care of our mental health so we can continue that good work is, I think, something that's necessary. Yeah, and that's what I've been um, seeing some things on too, which is like, white people, you can't burn out <laughs> because it is a long haul and like, there's a lot of stuff getting thrown at uh, at us for uh, the right reasons, obviously. But um, yeah. you do have to do what you need to in order to sustain the fight. And I think there's a lot happening. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, making sure that there's measures that are taken or you can check in with yourself on that of like, am I slowing down? Like, why am I slowing down? Is this going to prevent me from being able to keep going forward? And do I need to, like, take a take a beat? Like, it's okay if you need to walk away from Instagram for a little bit. If you, mm-hmm. if you come back stronger, <laughs> it's like when I, ta- when I do my bar three classes, they say it's okay if you want to take a break. <laughs> but when you come back, come back stronger. <laughs> All those isometric holes and little pulsing. <laughs> Bria and I are so grateful for the opportunity to connect with you, and we hope you continue to tune in to our conversations covering various topics surrounding anxiety. While we hope this podcast provides a sense of comfort, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that we are not doctors or any licensed professionals and cannot recommend treatment or give individualized advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety or depression, please contact a mental health professional.